This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Let's give our youth a great big round of applause. They're on their way out the door here. Appreciate them. Amen. Just got back from camp. Rather fired up. Hallelujah. You know, if you spend a week with God, you're bound to t- uh, turn out different. Didn't you know that? Huh? It's too bad we don't uh, take the time to do that for our own personal lives. You know, adults, I mean, you know, say, well, you know, it's good for the kids. They need that. So do you. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we're not here to debate that this morning. We want to welcome all of you this morning to the fellowship, especially those of you that are watching online from wherever it is that you might be. We're glad you can be with us here today. Hope you got a Bible there someplace. We're going to get into the Word here in just a minute. But uh, anyway, how many of you had a good week so far? Amen. Amen. I guess now we're starting a new one, maybe. How many of you had a good week last week? How many are going to have a better one this week? It's cooled off, so thank God for that. Amen. Amen. How many of you like hot weather? Few do. Amen. You know, my wife, when she was a teenager, she had a room upstairs uh, in, this, in their home. And how, did, how hot did it get in there, honey? Yeah, 103. And she would sleep in there with a blanket on. You believe that? You ought to have to live with that now. It's a little bit of a challenge, I'll tell you that. But we work it out, don't we? Glory to God. God's so good. Praise God. Listen, let's open our Bibles together here to the book of Ephesians chapter uh, 4. And uh, we'll take a look at our text that we've been using for this particular series of uh, lessons that we've been teaching on. Most of you, I would imagine, uh, remember uh, Faye Kephart. And this past week, she'd uh, gone on with, actually, it was a week ago, probably today, that she went on to be with the Lord. 77 years young. Amen. And we appreciate Faye. I mean, I remember I, I was mentioning at the funeral, first time I met her and her husband, Ronnie, was back in 1980, 42 years ago. It was in the summer of that year. Somehow or another, they'd ended up in our church, and so me and one of the church members went down to visit them at their home. I think they were living, I couldn't take you there now if I tried, but I think it was down by Silver City. And I remember being sitting on the porch and leading these two to the Lord. Ronnie was a truck driver, you know, and, uh, and uh, led him to the Lord. And I tell you what, she became a permanent fixture within the church. Then, of course, in her latter years, you know, she had, uh, oh, mobility issues and uh, different things of that nature. And so health, some health issues. And so she attended, well, she actually attended our church and Remnant Church in Council Bluffs. And which was just down the street, very practical application for her, you know, in her personal life. But I wanted to say again how much I appreciate Jeff Rolfing because uh, this guy was like uh, an anointed cab driver. He would give her rides out here all the time, take her back home. And I know a few others of you did that as well. But, uh, you know, um, praise God, she, she, was, uh, she was quite a gal. She was definitely, she let you know what she thought. Praise the Lord. And, uh, but you know, she had such a good heart. I mean, in the sense that she really was hungry for God in her own way. So I can only imagine that she just shouting up and down the streets of glory right now, having a big time. And, uh, so we appreciate, you know, the thing is everyone, you know, there's nothing like having the assurance and the hope of eternal life. You know, the Bible says that we're not to sorrow as others, which have no hope. 
If you're unregenerate, if you don't know Christ, you have no relationship with him, then you have no hope, you know. And uh, so like the Apostle Paul said, he said, if in only this life we have hope, we are of most men, or of all men, most miserable. So if all you can get is the hope that's in this life, it, uh, well, it gets a little lean. But thank God we got more than that, amen? We have a blessed hope, and that uh, is in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we can thank God for that, amen? So we don't have to sorrow like the rest of the world, you know? I mean, uh, there's such an emptiness and a void, and I have such empathy for people that don't know Christ. Or, you know, if the loved one that's passed didn't know Jesus, then it makes it extremely difficult to find a place of comfort. And so uh, we can be grateful for what it is that God promised. Amen? Amen. Did y'all bring your Bibles? All right, let's look here in Ephesians. Matter of fact, let's go ahead and pray, and then uh, I'll share with you what I want to share. This is going to be our last, well, I think it's going to be our last uh, uh, <laughs> session, at least, on the importance of walking in love. And uh, I believe it will be a blessing to you, so let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you again for this portion of our service today. God, I want to thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost. And most importantly, Father, it's not important what I say, but what you say to these that are here through what I say. So I ask you, Father God, to have your way. Open up the eyes of our understanding that our hearts may be enlightened to know the hope of your calling. And we thank you, Father God, for your blessing in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. The Apostle Paul here in the book of Ephesians, uh, there's a lot of things that are talked about in this book. You know, the first uh, three chapters deals with the call of God that is on our life. How many of you know we're all called? We are the called of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it may not be particularly a, a pulpit ministry or anything of that nature, but, but we still have a destiny upon our life engaged and involved within the kingdom of heaven. You're not here by chance, not one of us. We're all here by divine design. And there is a place that God has for each and every one of us. So the Apostle Paul deals with that in the first three chapters of this particular letter or epistle that he gave to the church there that was at Ephesus. And then in chapters 4 and 5, he starts dealing with conduct, how you and I are to live. And because of the new birth, being born of the Spirit of God, you know, of course, then... Uh, there's a certain way in which the believer, the child of God, should live. How many of you know we're not like the world? Or at least we shouldn't be. And so he talks about conduct, how we are to live our lives. And then finally in chapter 6, he deals with conflict, the conflict that we find ourselves to be in. He said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you can... Uh, stand against the wiles. How many of you know you got to stand against? You know, sometimes you just got to resist things. You know, the devil, he'll, he'll tell you lies, and you just got to say, no, I don't believe I'm going for that. Amen? And then if he tries to intrude in your life, I hate these breaks. There we go. Now, sorry. Huh? Put the brakes on. Honey says, honey, honey says, hold the thing still. Anyway, <clears throat> But we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. You know, you want to see the rulers of the darkness uh, uh, of this world at, in operation, just look around. I mean, it's everywhere. Hell has shown up. But thank God Jesus spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, praise God, and he triumphed over them in it. He said, all authority is given to me both in heaven and earth, so you go. 
in my name. And I tell you what, praise God, he knows how to take care of his own. How many of you believe that? So we don't have to concern ourselves with anything. Praise God. He said, cast your care on to me because I care for you. Some folk, you know, they'll sit around, well, I don't much believe that. Well, you'll just be on the outset. You can do it your way. You figure it out. I'm going to do it his way. How about you? I'm going to follow the Holy Ghost. Praise God. I'm going to live in peace. I'm going to live in joy. Why? Because Jesus purchased all of that for you and me. Amen. I was watching, uh, oh, they had some spy thing, you know, on television. They had a bunch of different uh, spy stories. And and one of them, how many of you uh, ever had seen the bridge, the bridge too far? Is that, is that what it's called? The Bridge Too Far, I think it was. It had, uh, it had uh, uh, who's that guy? Tom Hanks was in it. And he was, a, uh, he was a lawyer, and he had to defend a spy, a Russian spy, who everybody knew was guilty, and he was guilty, and all of this and that and the other. And uh, so he, he goes in and introduces himself and talks to this uh, individual. And, uh, um, you know, he's basically kind of going through the whole process of his defending him and things, but he's rather unresponsive, you know. And so finally Tom just says, you know, aren't you concerned? I mean, don't, aren't you worried about, you know, your outcome and what could happen in this circumstance? And he just looked at him, you know, in a very plain kind of way and just said, would it do any good? You know, which really took Tom back. And I think in this, in this storyline, probably in two or three different um, places, that same thing come up, and this guy would always say, would it do any good? They were standing at this bridge, and this is based on a a historically true story. They were on this particular bridge, and they were exchanging uh, people, you know, um, and the Russians wanted him, as did the Germans, but we had a couple people that we needed to get back as well, and so they're standing on either end of this bridge, you know, and um, Tom Hanks is standing here with his, the guy he's representing and things, and and he said, uh, he said the whole thing again. He says, well, he says, are you concerned about your outcome here or your future? And he turned to him again. He goes, would it do any good? Well, as it turned out, the way the story goes, um, the Russians did not um, honor him at all. As a matter of fact, he probably, his life was probably taken from him and so on and so forth. He said, well, that's kind of a downer. Yeah, it is. But, you know, uh, <clears throat> I agree. It was a bummer. But, but I think here's a guy that, you know, I don't, I don't even know that he had any relationship with God whatsoever. After all, he was a Russian spy in the United States. But he just said, would it do any good? And, you know, Jesus intimated something about this, you know, in, in what we have recorded in the book of Matthew. He said, which of you, taking thought, anxious thought, can add any height to your stature? You know, worry and care. Um, I remember, um, I think it was... Uh, Smith Wigglesworth, you know, um, said that worry is the child of doubt and fear. And that's really true. So thank God we don't have to be afraid. That's my whole point. Praise God. We can just rejoice in Him. But you got to keep your eyes and your heart and your mind on the promise. Are you with me? Because if you get your eyes on everything going on around the world, well, you know, it doesn't look that good. So, Let's go back here to <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4, and Paul's talking about conduct, and let's just jump in here in verse 31. 
And he's talking about, in verse 30, about not grieving the Holy Spirit, whereby we're sealed to the day of redemption. But let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be you kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love. Everybody say, walk in love. Yes, walk in love as Christ also has loved us, given himself for us, and offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. You know, I've said it many times, but the fact of the matter is, is that God would never require you to do something that you were incapable of doing. How many of you believe that? So when we read in the scriptures and it tells us that we're to imitate God or that we're to walk in love, as the scriptures say, as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, if he's asking us not really even asking, he's actually requiring it of us. If you want to live a victorious life, you got to do it God's way, right? And again, he wouldn't require you to do something that you couldn't do, but thank God he's given us the means and the empowerment of the Spirit of God to carry out whatever it is that he asks us to do. Everybody say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Yeah, he's the one that is in us if we're born of the Spirit of God. He's the one that empowers us to be able to be victorious over the temptations of, you know, being jealous or having malice or allowing envy or unforgiveness or any of those things to invade our life. Because as a general rule, if we allow these things to control us, and you're the one who holds the reins. You're the, you're the gatekeeper. You're the one who decides what you're going to do about things that go on within your life. How many of you know that? Nobody else can do it for you, but thank God you can. And again, he's empowered you to be able, praise God, to come out on the other side victorious. And he tells us, again, to imitate him and to walk in love. Because love is God's way. The Bible says God is love. Hallelujah. He doesn't have love. He is love. And so his way is the best way, and it's the winner's way, and I've said before, it's our way. I, You know, I don't know about you, but praise God, I'm going to win in life. And I'm not going to let the least bit of ill will or animosity or anything live within my life about anybody. Are you listening to me? Because it's too expensive. Are you listening to me? Because it can break out into your flesh. It can set the course for things that are things you do not want in your life. And so when we talk about reading the scriptures and Jesus giving us this new commandment that we love one another as as he loved us, then praise God, we better get to it and figure it out. And not just hear it, you know, I mean, yeah, okay, I got you going there, Pastor, you know, I got, I got it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you and I hearing what it is that he's saying and making decisions within our lives that we're going to incorporate it. Are you listening to me? I'm waiting. Yeah. You're going to make it a part of your life. And that you're going to live your life that way. Hallelujah. 
People are going to say all kinds of things against you. You already have experienced that in your life. But praise God, the Bible says his love is in us. And so we have the capacity or the ability to be able to love as he loved. You couldn't do it otherwise. You know, before I got saved, dude, I couldn't love like Jesus loved. Are you kidding me? I didn't even know him. I was blind as a bat when it comes to the things of God. I didn't know anything about it. When I was born again, all of a sudden, boom, the light comes on. And I start seeing things I've never seen before. You know, I'd read the Bible as a teenager, you know, and even younger and things like that. Didn't mean anything to me. But in 19, when I gave my heart to Christ, all of a sudden, I mean, the whole thing came alive. Because it's a living word from heaven. And it's spiritually understood. And if you're not born again, you can read the Bible. You could quote the Bible. There's some people, they can quote more of the Bible than I can But, you know, if it's not alive on the inside of you, if you've never been born again, it doesn't do any good. Are you with me? Now, if you want to, you know, try to live by it in a moral kind of sense, I guess you can do that. A lot of people say, well, you know, I read the Bible and it tells us what we're supposed to do and I'm pretty good at that and this and that and the other. Well, see, you could be pretty good at a lot of things and still be a sinner and wind up in hell. Because it's not about your works. It's not about your performance It is about your heart and your relationship with Jesus Christ. And whether or not you have come to know him through, listen, repentance. Recognizing that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. So thank God for good works. The Bible teaches it. But good works won't get you into heaven. But repentance before Jesus Christ, taking him as your Lord and Savior, will. And so thank God for those of us that have. He said, I'll come and I'll make my home in your heart. And then all of a sudden, he starts setting us on this path, you know, that he wants us to walk and live by so that our lives can be blessed. How many of you want your lives to be blessed? How about the rest of you? Hallelujah. You know, if you want to be blessed, you got to do it his way. Amen. And he'll start leading you, glory to God forevermore, out of the life that was destroying you into a life of blessing and and comfort and peace that only he can give. Amen. It's hard sometimes, you know, because you're you're <clears throat> you're you're going down the a different path from the rest of the world. And yet, you know, as the hymn says, though none go with me, still I will follow. And so that can be difficult because there are people that are pulling on you and they don't want you to leave. They don't want you to go off in a different direction. They don't want you to live for God. They want you to live like they live. And you're saying, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to follow the Holy Ghost. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to fulfill the divine purpose and destiny that's on my life. Hallelujah. So that when I get to heaven, I'll be able to hear those famous words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. How many of you want to do that? So we're going to do it God's way, aren't we? We're going to follow the Holy Ghost and the path that he has for us. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 4, the first epistle of John chapter 4. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Y'all glad you came today? Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to wake up. Yeah, amen. Praise God. Notice with me here, John chapter 4, verse 4. 1 John, I'm sorry. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. You, 
are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater, everybody say greater, greater is he that's in you than he that is in this world. You are of God, little children. Beloved, now we are the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we see him, we'll be like him. But thank God right now, we're the sons of God, the children of God. And so when you read this scripture, and it says, you're of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater, 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 greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in you than the hate that's in the world. Greater is he that is in you than the envy that's in the world, the jealousy that's in the world, the whatever it is that's in the world. Thank God greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. In verse 5, he says, They're of the world, therefore speak they of the world. And the world hears them. But we're of God. He that knows God hears us. He that is not of God hears not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. But he that loves not knows not God, because God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So, beloved, if God so loved us, baby, we ought to love one another. Hallelujah. You know, God will ask us someday, what'd you do with love? Well, I took it out in the backyard and I buried it because I had this and I had that and I felt this way and I felt that. You know, that is not going to hold up. There's a fire coming and it's going to burn. Are you listening? We don't get that privilege. Amen. I, you know, we're, we're world-class excusers of ourselves sometimes. But you know, that's not going to hold up. Not in the courts of heaven. Amen. The Bible says, It is appointed unto men once to die after that the judgment. We all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Amen. And give account. So I don't know. You know, man, praise God. Uh, uh, you know, I want that whole, these are the mistakes you made part to be as minimal as possible. Huh? Hallelujah. And that's important for us, and we have a little bit to say about that on this side of heaven. But notice again, he says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. So as the children of God were called to march to the beat of a different drummer, and that drum beat is love. Amen. Well, I've got my say-so. I've got my opinion. I know I'm right. Come on now. Don't shout me down now just because I started to talk about some stuff the way we think. Okay. Hallelujah. Amen. There's power in God's love. That's the reason why a lot of folk, they don't have any power in their life, dude. They're walking around. They're all jacked up, knotted up, messed up. They got things going on in their lives. You know, they, well, I don't like them. And I don't like them. And I don't like them. Come on. You're a child of God. You're bigger than that. Amen. Can you say amen? I got one amen out of my secretary. Come on. <laughs> Amen. You know? 
She probably, no, I won't say that. Never mind. <clears throat> but here's the thing. The love of God that is in you has the power to change your life if you'll let it, if you will allow it. And that's, and that's the key. I mean, right there, that's where the rubber meets the road. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with this deposit that has been placed within us? And all of us, you know, it doesn't make any difference who you are. All of us experience painful, hurtful circumstances. Maybe your pasts, you know, have been less than lovely. You know, you may have grew up as a child. It may have been something that's happened to you here in the more recent future. And there's things that, 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 that occur or happen in our lives. But listen, you guys, you cannot allow those things to, you can't use them as an excuse. They're valid. They're real. And we certainly can identify with them. But the reality is, is we can't sit and park by the offense that's taken place. Because otherwise, our lives end up becoming jaded. And we view everything through this lens of whatever it is that went on. And I'm telling you what, the power of God's love can remove all of that so that it can be nothing more than a distant thought in your life. Hallelujah. Because God, when he forgives, he forgets. And we can do the same. Can you say amen? And sometimes it's exactly what needs to happen. Because otherwise, again, you know, if you don't, it'll, it'll affect you. It'll affect your behavior, your current behavior. But I tell you what, praise God, he's made lovers out of us. Amen? So let's just walk in that. Maybe you're going through a difficult time or a test in your life right now where, you know, um, anger, I mean, bitterness, people, you know, are messed up uh, because of being mistreated. Some things, you know, are real, uh, perceived. Other things happen that are very much real. But either way, how will we deal with it? How will you deal with it? How will I deal with it? Are you with me? It doesn't make any difference. I mean, any day of the week, you can be going down the road of life, mind your own business, and chances are reasonably good that you're going to run into a conflict. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But thank God if we get our minds renewed to the Word and start walking in the light of the Word, then when it comes, we can say, nope, I am not putting my foot in that trap. Amen? And we'll have a, a, a good word, a, a kind word, a gentle word. The Bible says a gentle answer turns away wrath. Well, the opposite of that is, is that, you know, somebody says something to you and you, you know, bark back and all of a sudden you just walked into a buzzsaw. And then, you know, you got divisions and you got all kinds of messed up stuff, you know, and whatever. Hallelujah. That's why the Bible says that you and I are to forbear one another in love. What's that mean? That means put up with people's goofed upness. We all know they're goofed up. But yet right on the other hand, praise God, we still have to love them. You know, if you were all perfect, I wouldn't have a job. <laughs> Are you listening to me? But thank God we're on our way. I said we're on our way, amen? You know, so it's important. But you have to realize that these uh, things, you know, when, when, when offenses occur, there's a couple things to understand. Number one, they're set on fire of hell. Hell showed up. You know, the God of this world, his devices, remember it talks about, be, you know, about being cautious that we're not ignorant of his devices, huh? 
and talking about standing against the schemes or the wiles of the devil. You know, he sows strife and he he sows all kinds of envy, hatred, all of these different kinds of things. He does anything and everything he can to sow them into people's lives. He uses pride and arrogance. You know, I'm, I'm better than them. I'm this, I'm that. You know, who, you know, they're just idiots or whatever. You know, all of this kind of thinking that is not of God. But he uses that against people to basically cause self-destruction. They just, you know, they just fly apart on their own once he gets it started. But thank God we're smarter than that. Can you say amen? And so when we start talking about some of these things, you know, you have to understand that we are in a war and that these things are set on fire of hell. But the other thing that you have to understand is these are things that happen to you. They do not define who you are. Huh? Unless you let them. And we're just not going to let them. I think about this all the time. You know, Jesus is on a cross, and the people that crucified him are down there, and he said, Father, forgive them, because they know not what they do. Who does that? People don't do that. When they stoned Stephen, he uttered the same prayer, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. People come against you for all kinds of reasons, man, and I tell you, they need your prayers, because they are, they're, in, they're in bad shape. Are you listening to me? So rather than retaliating, really what we need to do is we need to pray for them. I know that's not always easy, you know, because some of these things are like an unholy setup where, you know, you get blindsided by the devil. And that's why it's important for us to stay full of the Holy Ghost, be being filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen and renewing our minds to the Word of God. So let's not let those things define us, because that's not who we are. Again, he said, you're of God, little children, and greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That's who we are, and that's who we're going to live by. You know, I remember the story uh, uh, years, years ago when uh, we call him Brother Hagen. We actually call him Dad Hagen because he's like a father to us. And uh, he shares his testimony about his father left when he was six years old. And um, he was an invalid, or at least a semi-invalid. He had a lot of problems before he ended up bedfast, you know, when he was 15 years of age, and um, laid in that bed for 16 months before he got healed by the power of God from Mark 11, 23 and 24. But, you know, when you think, think about our lives, and maybe we don't have, maybe there's some similarity, maybe there's none, But, you know, you take an individual like that where your dad leaves you at six and you don't understand most kids when this happens, even in divorces, the kids think it's their fault and it has nothing to do with them. But the devil will take that and he'll twist it into that kid and do what he can to try to plant a seed that can fester and grow and and, and misshape the intended person of that of that or the intended purpose of that individual. That's why the Bible says, I'll say, I have it in my notes, but the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15, you need to be really careful about the way you live. It's not all about you. Are you with me? You still glad you came? You know, the thing is, is I can't help you unless we just get down where, you know, in the short rows. You know what I mean? 
to really talk about some of these things so that you can deliver yourself or that God can deliver you. And people need to get delivered. Amen. And, and so anyway, you know, here he is, six years of age. His dad uh, left him. They ended up living with uh, his grandparents on his mother's side. But his mother, she even lost her mind. She had a nervous mental, physical breakdown. She was, you know, I mean, the whole everything. And he, he said, I just hated the world. I hated everybody, you know. And he said, if anybody ever did me wrong, I'd write them off, never speak to them again. So here he is living with this bucket full of mess, you know, on the inside of him because of being mistreated. And, uh, and uh, as a matter of fact, he and his, his brother Dub, they made a commitment and a covenant to one another. If they could ever, when they got old enough, if they could ever find their dad, they'd kill him. Now, who does that? People filled with hate. And he admits right readily, us full of hate. And then he got saved. And when he got saved... God washed all the hate out. And all of a sudden, he went to some you know, family uh, relatives and different things, praise God, and just loved them. And, and uh, it changed. It brought about a change. And so you say, well, yeah, but what about these Christians today? How come they're you know, so full of you know, all this you know, bitterness and all this evil speaking and all that? It's because they don't let the love of God dominate them. That's all. Thanks for your enthusiasm. Sure gets quiet you start talking about stuff like this. But that's, that's the issue. That's the issue. The love of God isn't dominating us as, as it should, and, and yet it can. Hallelujah. So when we get born again, it comes down. This is my, you know, I mean, when you get born again, it comes down to a decision that you're going to be a lover, not a hater, that you're going to walk in love and let the love of God dominate you. You make a decision. When my wife got saved, she made a decision that she was going to follow Jesus and that no matter what it took, no matter what it costs, she was going to love him and follow him. And part of that process, as I've shared with you many times, was she told me, hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. Amen. Because the counselors told her, He's no good, no good, no good, baby, you no good. It's getting worse, isn't it? <laughs> Is that Linda Ronstant that, that recorded that? Well, anyway, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> but it was a decision, and it was not an easy one. Very difficult, because we really did love one another. But she loved Jesus more. So when you start talking about walking in love, you've got to love him because he first loved you. And you've got to say, I'm going to be a follower of him and do what it is. I'm going to please him. And this is what he asked me to do, so I'm going to do it. And he's empowered me to do it. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. You know, pastoring over the years, I mean, I've thought about, I mean, we've had ample opportunity in 40, almost 44 years to get offended. You know. If you deal with people, dude, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna deal with some stuff. There's no getting around it. And here again, you know, you have to realize all it's intended to do is to get you to quit. We could have stopped a long time ago. When we were in our 20s, we were so ignorant, we didn't know how to deal with people. We didn't have any people skills, you know. I mean, and so we just thought, you know, everything ought to just be kumbaya. 
peace, love, dove. Everybody's going to be happy. We've, we started the church, you know. Everybody, I mean, we had love, feasts, you know. We had dinner and lunch and potluck and, you know, the whole enchilada and everything was great. And I mean, you know, it was just wonderful for about six months. How many of you know, you know, you get close to people and they're kind of like fish. After three days, they start to sink. Stink. I, did I say sink? Stink. Yeah. Well, you get to know each other, you know, and, and then all of a sudden, and really the, the big fight was over church government, money. And a bunch of folks said, we're going to run the church. And I said, no, sorry, we're not going to do that. I'm going to run the church. That went over not so good. What did they do? They departed. How did that make us feel? Terrible. It was terrible. You know, just having to walk through all of that. And all we were endeavoring to do, you know, is to try to provide a scriptural approach to church government. Now, there's four different types of government, and I'm not going to get into all of those. Congregational rule, like the assemblies and different ones, you know, we all vote. Well, the reality is, is you can have a congregation of people, and a big percentage of them, they ain't even saved. So what you're doing is you're asking ungodly people to lead the church in the direction that it should go. That doesn't work. Or then you got a board of deacons, you know, and they're a bunch of longhorned outfits, you know, and they think they know everything and whatever the case may be. I mean, somebody's going to run the church. I just decided it might as well be me. So I don't like you very much. Oh, it's like Keith Moore said, you would if you knew me. Hallelujah. But I have advisors and I have people, you know, that help to give us counsel and things like that. And it's a scriptural. The Bible says that you and I, well, not you and I, I, I'm to feed the flock and take the oversight thereof. Willingly, not for the sake of money. I'm not in this because of money. I mean, if I was, if I, no, uh uh-uh. No, I'm doing it because he called us and we said yes. Are you with me? So as you go down the road of life, of course, there's going to be disagreements and, you know, different things of that nature. But I tell you what, praise God, we ain't moving. We're not leaving. And we're going to continue on, praise God, being a life-giving church that's, you know, pr- I mean, you know, you, if you're not careful, people say, well, you shouldn't be talking about, you know, salvation. Then go clear down to the bottom of the rung and say, well, don't, you know, we don't want to make people uncomfortable, you know, and, and so don't be giving no altar calls. Dude, if we don't give altar calls, there ain't no use of us being here. The same thing's true with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Well, you might offend somebody. You know, people don't understand. Well, maybe we just need to find out what the Bible has to say and follow. And I'm, and I'm again, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, be mean about this, but praise God. You know, Jesus told his disciples, don't you leave Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Don't you think that's important? Well, I don't understand that. That's spooky. You know, that just kind of gets, you know, whatever. Maybe you need to come to understand and ask him about it. And study for yourself and find out. A lot of good books that are available. Hallelujah. You know? So I'm I'm not giving those things up. I'm going to keep preaching about getting saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And I'm going to preach about healing. The healing belongs to us. That is provided for in the redemption that is in Christ. Just like the forgiveness of sins, so the healing of the body. We've had people leave our church because certain people died. You know? Well, if anybody should have got healed, it should have been them. You don't know what's going on in their life. You don't know what's going on in a person's heart. And there are reasons why things happen that you and I don't know anything about. But that does not take away from what the Bible says. And how come I got off on all this? I have no idea. You just go on. I I was talking about Brother Hagin. He had a, a... 
I don't know if it was a, wasn't a sister. No, it may have been some other relative, and she died prematurely. She had cancer, and she died. And Brother Hagin was upset about the fact he couldn't get her healed. Well, on one occasion, he had a visitation from heaven, and the Lord spoke to him, and he said, um, actually, he's seen her when he was taken up into heaven. And, and she told him, well, first of all, God said, <laughs> getting us a little confused. Help me out here, Zach. Anyway, um, <clears throat> the first part of this is, is that the Lord spoke to him and said, uh, have you ever read in the Word? He was asking about it. How come she now? How come I couldn't get her healed? He said, have you ever read in the Word, Deuteronomy 29-29? Uh, and Brother Hagin said, sure, yeah, that's the secret things belong to the Lord our God. Huh? And, uh, and that which is revealed belongs to us and to our children forever. He said, that's right, and that's a secret between me and her. Don't you ever uh, entertain it again in thought life, and you just go and keep preaching healing like I told you to. Because a lot of times stuff happens in people's lives. You know, I guess, you know, you can get all knotted up about it, or you can say, well, praise God, if they're a Christian, at least they made heaven as their home. Huh? Are you with me? It may be premature or whatever the case might be, but, you know, a lot of these things are, we just have to leave them with him. Now, Brother Hagin also talked to us about one time when he was taken, and, and he uh, actually seen his sister, and she told him not to be troubled about that. She didn't tell why, but she said, don't worry about the fact that you couldn't get, that you couldn't get me to a place of healing. Sometimes you can't get people to a place of healing. That's all. You know, so what do you do? Well, you find out where they're at. You do the best that you can right there and agree with them there. Are you with me? Like, for example, you know, sometimes, you know, people end up in the hospital and they have to, you know, have surgery or whatever the case. There's nothing wrong with having surgery. Okay? Now, it's better if you don't have to. But if that's where your faith is, I believe the doctors, you know, have the skill to be able to do what it is they need to do, then connect with the person there. Are you listening to me? You know, and then that way, at least, praise God, they can get healthy. Whoo, glory to God. Amen. Where was I? Oh, I was talking about ample opportunities to get offended. Any of you ever had chances like that? Huh? I mean, you know, my wife and I, we've been maligned, you know, talked ugly about, accused of things that weren't true. Any of you ever been accused of things that weren't true? And then you want to defend yourself. Any of you want to defend yourself? How many of you, you went ahead and defended yourself? <laughs> that is not always the best uh, way to make that uh, uh, work out very uh, well. People want to tell you how to do your job, you know, and uh, I mean, the list is long. People want to control you. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. It's awesome. Amen. So anyway, there's lots of different things. But the thing that always held my wife and I steady was the simple fact that we weren't doing all of this for them anyway. Huh? People are going to get on the bus. People are going to get off the bus. Jesus said, you drive the bus. How many of you know that story? How many of you don't know that story? How many of you don't want to respond? Okay, all right. But, you know, T.D. Jakes was talking about that. He was concerned about, here he is, this large church, and, and um, people, uh, you know, a bus driver like Phil, well, he doesn't do this, but a lot of times a bus driver, he's got this big old mirror, you can see everything that's going on behind him. 
And see, that's what happens a lot of times is we get fixated on the mirror and we're looking at all this mess. People are getting on the bus, off the bus, more of them are getting off than on and, you know, all these different kinds of things. What did Jesus say? He said, drive the bus because that's going to happen. You know, churches are like families. All families have different person. My, my, our family isn't like, you know, um, uh, Johnny and Isla or anybody else, Jeff's. I mean, we all have our own, the way we roll, okay? And so when, you come, when it comes to a church, different churches are going to have different personalities, I guess, maybe. Uh, things that it, it gets emphasized and whatever, you know? If we place an emphasis, strong emphasis on the Word of God, on salvation, get filled with the Holy Ghost, you know, that won't be for everybody. Because there'll be people that come in here, and when you preach the Word, the Word, praise God, you know, it cuts and divides. And a lot of times they'll, they'll last for about so long, and they're not comfortable, and they don't like it. And guess what? They quit coming. Huh? What are you going to do? Wow, what a message. Praise the Lord. But it's true. You know, I've watched them over the I mean, lots of them. They'll come, and they'll squirm, baby. And usually, <laughs> it lasts about three or four weeks, you know. And then some of them, they just, they come because they have to. Their wife's coming, so they just kind of, you know, they're like this. When's he going to get done? You know? Wouldn't you think that guy might be a person that's putting the brakes on in the service? Huh? So... You know, you just either preach them in or preach them out of the pew. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, you'd like to preach them in. But you know, that, that's, you know, everybody's got their own choices. And you can't help that. You just got to keep on going. Amen? Praise God. We're all going to have to fight our battles. Just always choose to take the high road. Praise God. Amen? And, and that means sometimes you don't get to defend yourself. I, I can't tell you how many times that Joan and I, we've had conversations, you know, with one another. It may come from her, or it may come from me. And we'll just say, nope, we're taking the high road. And the other one will go, mm, okay, we're taking the high road. So thank God for one another. Are you listening to me? Why? Because the love way is the winner's way. And we want to win. So thank God, you know, I mean, for those of you that are husbands and wives that, you know, know and believe God, I mean, you ought to thank God for one another instead of fussing all the time. Okay. Mary thinks that's true. How about the rest of you? Amen. Because I'll tell you what, we need one another in all this. Look with me again here in 1 John chapter 4. Let's go on reading just a little bit further here. Notice something that gets said that I want to bring to your attention uh, here. Notice it says here in verse 12, this is 1 John chapter 4, verse 12. It says, No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us, and His love is, what's that word? Perfected in us. His love is perfected in us. Amen? It goes on, Hereby know we that we dwell in Him and He in us, because he's given to us of his spirit. Now, back up with me in chapter 2, and look at this verse with me for just a moment. Notice again here, it says in verse 5 of the second chapter, 1 John, it says, But whoso keepeth his word, 
In him truly is the love of God. What's that word again? Perfected. And by this we know that we are in him. Hallelujah. Praise God. He that says he abides in him ought himself also so walk even as he walked. So uh, the reason I wanted to bring this verse to your attention is, is because, um, you know, we're working out our own salvation in fear and trembling. Are you with me? Aren't we? So the reality is, is that, you know, walking in love is something that sometimes, you know, we have to work on and develop and perfect, especially amongst some folk. How many of you know some are easier to love than others? Huh? Sure. But nevertheless, we're required to, or actually commanded to love each and every one of them, no matter, no matter who. So, you know, at the end of the day, let me just say something to y'all here this morning. Walking in love letting the love of God dominate you. As far as I'm concerned, it's a character issue. What are you going to do? You're going to obey him? You're going to follow him? You're going to believe him? You know, a lot of folks, they don't believe the word of God, and so they don't believe that what he said is the way that we should live. That's your prerogative. But I tell you what, I do believe him, and I believe his word, and I've seen it over and over and over again where people chose to walk in love and God rewarded them and blessed them because of it. And I've also seen where people didn't and they ended up dead. Did you hear me? They didn't live out the full length of their days because they decided that, you know, they weren't going to do this, that, or the other. I've seen that on a couple different occasions. So it's important for us, praise God, to understand this. But, you know, so none of us are, per- are perfect, but thank God we can improve. I said, we sure enough can improve. You know, you say, wow, you know, somebody died because of this. Yeah, it can happen that way. But, you know, even, even, even not, perhaps not with that severity, but think about this. If I choose not to walk in love toward my spouse and I behave unkindly to her or mistreat her or whatever the case might be because I think I'm better or whatever it is that's, you know, caused the deal. Think about how that's going to impact my kids. Think about how it's going to impact her. You, you understand where I'm coming? So there's, there's repercussion, you know, in our choosing not to be lovers, you know, and, and to do things the way Jesus would... Uh, uh, have us to do. And again, you know, a lot of people think walking in love is a weakness. It's not. It's a strength. When you put your flesh down, when you don't allow it to control you, when you say, no, I ain't going there because I know better. That's a strength. And people will look at it and say, well, if I were you, I wouldn't put up with that. Well, Jesus did. I said, Jesus did. You know, well, I know what's mine. You know, people, they, they, I'm not talking about anyone that's here, probably anyone even watching on the live stream. I'm talking about other people. But, you know, they'll make these statements. Well, I know what's mine. I've got my say-so. Huh? You ever heard any of this before? Maybe you've said it. I've got my say-so, and I'm going to have it. Well, you're welcome to do that, but get ready for the consequence. I've got my rights. I'm going to have them. Everything today, you guys, is about me. I, 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 I. My rights, what I want. They don't think anything or give consideration to how that's going to impact other people. And whether you realize it or not, you need to really be careful about it because you're living in the soup. It's in the air you breathe. It's in the water that you drink. 
And so you come to church and you hear the preacher say, hey, hey, nah, we're not of the world. We're, we're of God and we're going to live by a different set of rules and a different standard and we're going to go down a different path. And so it's important for us to understand that. Always remember there is a lot at stake, a lot more at stake than a person realizes when they choose not to walk in love. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Um, uh, we got to come to a close here. I got to move down. Amen. Too many notes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I mentioned to you that uh, love finds its expression in giving and serving and obeying God. Now, look with me. Well, you just look up on the screens. I want to give a uh, love's further definition out of the Amplified Bible. You're familiar with it. But uh, um, I want to, well, hallelujah. Okay, thank you, Lord. Listen, I'm gonna, I want to I talk to you about something here. Is that all right with you? It's good because I've got your attention. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse, verse 1. You can look at this. Um, this is a little bit different, Jim. I'm shifting gears on you here, King James. Notice what it says here. <laughs> oh, boy, here we go. Y'all ready? You know, I might as well shovel off the whole load. I mean, I'm here. You're here. Might as well just, yeah. Look what it says in verse 1. Follow after what? Charity, love, agape, and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. And again, we won't get into what that's all about. It, in verse 2, it says, He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him, howbeit in the Spirit. I'm in the wrong chapter. Are you reading chapter 13? I'm reading chapter 14. That's why we are not on the quote-unquote same page. All right, you were right, I was wrong. Back to 13 verse 1, Okay. I knew someone, right? Though I speak with the men, with the tongues of men and angels, here we go, and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass and a, or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all the mysteries and knowledge and, and, and though I have all the faith in the world so that I could remove mountains, if I don't have love, I'm nothing. Even though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, if I don't have love, it profits me nothing. How I many of you know love's kind of important? And interestingly enough, the Apostle Paul here is dealing with things that we put a premium on and a price on, you know, the guy who prophesies, the guy who's got faith to move mountains, you know, the guy that's all given to the poor and whatever. But you know, the reality is if you do all of that without love, it don't amount to a hill of beans. Are you with me? So we need to grow in love, praise God. You know, a lot of folk, you know, they're, boy, they're Bible believers, they're Bible-thumping believers, praise the Lord. You know, I know the Word, and I can quote the Word, and I write the Word, and I do all this. But dude, if your life isn't reflecting the love of God, nobody is interested in what you got to say. And that's a fact. And, and here's, here's, here's how they process they go, if this is what Christianity represents, I'm not interested. Well, you know, the Bible says that you and I are living epistles read and known of all men. People read your life. They want to see how you act. Are you listening to me? And that becomes super important. Praise God. And we need to keep moving because I know you need some encouragement. Look at this verse out of the Amplified Bible. Verse 4. Huh? Love endures long. And is patient and kind. I've been putting up with her for 45 years. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's about all I can do. Please pray. Maybe you need to pray for her. Love is never envious, nor boils over with jealousy. 
It's not boastful or vainglorious. does not display itself haughtily. Well, we may have a little work to do there. It's not conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride. It's not rude and unmannerly. It does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it's not self-seeking. It's not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account. Now this one here, I'm telling you guys, this, 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 this takes some work. Takes no account of the evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Wow. When you get there, your love is getting perfected. Huh? Can I get a witness? Is anybody honest in here besides me? I mean, read that again. It takes no account of the evil done to it and pays no attention to a suffered wrong. You know, somebody says something ugly to you, you say, well, maybe they were just having a bad day. That's usually not the way people react. Huh? But the truth is, maybe they did or are having a bad day. Goes on then to say, it does not rejoice in injustice and unrighteousness, but it rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the best in every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstance. It endures everything without weakening. When's the last time you prayed for a politician? <laughs> gotcha. Why? Because you probably haven't. You probably chimed in with the rest of the world and say, man, let's just skin them alive. And let's just start here and work our way down. Huh? Do, 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 do. Huh? Oh, we all have those thoughts. Come on. But I tell you what, them folks, I mean, they're just as blind and lost as anybody, and they need your prayers. Are you listening to me? So, believing the best in every person, his hopes are fadeless under all circumstance. It endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. Everybody say, love never fails. Say it again. Say it one more time. Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. Praise God. If you want to, if you want to walk in divine health, if you want to walk in divine life, you're going to have to walk in love. You're going to have to let the love of God dominate you. I'll close with this story. There was a woman, and, and back in the, oh, um, late 40s and most of the 50s, there was a healing revival in America. And there was a lot of people that God, men and women, that had uh, been anointed by God to preach, you know, uh, revivals and minister to people, he, minister to the sick and things like that. Amy Simple McPherson and uh, 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 lots of different people of, of that particular generation. And so they were having these meetings all over the country. Real revival was taking place. And there was a woman who had been to all of these meetings, but she had suffered from um, a respiratory condition, and she also had some stomach problems. And so she'd go to all these meetings to get prayed for and wouldn't get healed, you know. And, and this was not an uncommon practice. People, you know, they had needs in their life, and 
So they'd go to wherever the preacher was going, you know, and if they didn't get healed by him, you know, there's a gifting that rests upon people that have been anointed to minister healing to people. There's no question about that. But you know, there are other things that come into play about whether or not a person gets healed or not. Does that make sense to you? So anyway, this gal, she'd been everywhere, but she still had the problems. Well, again, she was going to get into this meeting uh, where, again, Brother Hagin was having this meeting, and, and uh, she, uh, she decided she was going to go there all week because a lot of times when Dad did his meetings, they'd last no less than three weeks and sometimes up to nine weeks. He'd come to a church. and he, You know, you think about that today, to get people to come to church for three weeks, Three nights straight, and they'd have morning meetings and night meetings. If we'd get under the Word of God, I'm telling you what, life would be different for us. You know, but again, you know, we, we say, well, we're busy, we can't do that, you know, this and that and the other. And so we suffer because of it. Well, anyway, she made the decision she was going to get into the meetings because Brother Hagin would say, now, if you come for healing, don't get in the line right away. Hear the word of God, listen to the Bible and what it has to say. Why? Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so anyway, she made the decision she was going to get into this meeting and she was going to um, uh, be prayed for at the end of the week. Well, when she got into the meeting, started hearing the word of God, she realized that she had a little bit of a problem. And the problem was, is that she was estranged from her brother. And she realized that it wasn't going to do her any good to get in the line until she made this other issue right with her brother. And they had been estranged for 25 years. Any of you give one another the silent treatment for two or three days? No, you've never done that. Well, anyway, 25 years. And she just knew, I'm going to have to call this guy, and uh, I'm going to have to get this straightened up if I want to be healed. So she called him. And she said, this is your sister, and I just wanted to call you, and I wanted to ask you to forgive me. I was wrong. Well, their brother said, their brother was on the other, oh, you know, I've been wanting to call you. No, that wasn't your, I'm the one to blame. You know, I'm the one that ought to be asking you to forgive me. And she goes, no, no, it was my, you know, deal, you know, and, and I just wanted to let you know, I just wanted to ask you to forgive me. She says, well, sure, but, but really, I think you need to just forgive me. Well, before the conversation was over with, uh, they just decided to split it down the middle and take 50% of the blame, okay? And so, you know, she, she, the story goes on that when she got off the phone, she said there was an absolute utter peace that just flooded, overwhelmed her life. And she just felt so content and so at peace because she had made it right with her brother or sister. Well... <clears throat> She decided, you know, they had morning meetings and the evening meetings, so she decided she was going to lay down and take a nap for the, uh, even before the evening meeting. She got laid down and, and took the nap, woke up, and she was absolutely, completely healed. No pain in her abdomen, no respiratory lung problems or anything. It was all gone. She never did get in the healing line because she never needed to. What's that tell us? And I tell you what, let me, let me just say this. Isn't, isn't it so much better that this gal come to realize, you know what, they ain't no use us fussing and fighting. You know, maybe you're in a situation like that with some family member, extended family, I don't know, whoever. It, it, it's not worth it. Just why don't you just go and make it right? 
You say, well, that, that means I'd have to humble myself. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, and it's not easy. All of you have gone through this before. Come on. You know, I'm sure at some point you realize in your heart, dude, I got to get this straightened back up again, praise God. And so you got to go say that you're sorry. You know, those are two great words. If you could only see what I see. But it really is true, isn't it? How many of you can attest to that? How many of you can agree with that? Amen? Praise God. Let's not hard. Listen, don't let a moment of your life any longer stand between you. And see, the devil, he'll come, you know, with thoughts. Well, if I were you, I wouldn't put up with that. If I were you, I wouldn't, you know, this, I wouldn't that. I mean, you know, you understand where I'm coming from? And what he'll do is he'll just rehear- he'll replay it and 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 replay it. And then pretty soon that's exactly what you're thinking, feeling, and believing. I ain't going to put up with that. I ain't going to do that. I ain't going to do this. Come on. Understand that we're in a battle, my friends. And praise God, we're out to win. So we just say, oh, no. See, the first thing you can do when that happens is just defy the devil and do exactly the opposite that he's telling you to do. Boy, he hates that. (laughs) Amen. And that's so true, you know, sometimes when discouragement or despair comes on you. You know, the Bible says that we're to uh, uh, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Amen. You know? And be glad in Him. So if you've got discouragement or despair in your life, sometimes, praise God, you, the, you just need to back up and say, you know what, I believe we're just going to take a praise break right here. And start praying. When that stuff starts coming, you just stop and say, well, I ain't got time to do that. I can't do that. Well, then go without. Well, I can't do it where I'm at. Well, find some place where you can. And just stop and say glory to God and begin to worship the Lord. Praise God and worship God and declare His goodness. And, 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 and you know, you can, you can say what you want about it not working or that's foolish or whatever. I mean, you can do whatever you want. But the Bible says that praise stills the enemy and the avenger. And so I tell you what, praise God, there are times in your life where you just have to say, you know what, I ain't feeling quite up to par here, hallelujah. Seems like there's this heaviness, there's this weight, there's this whatever, and I'm just going to stop right now and I'm going be to begin to praise God. Just like our praise and worship that happened here this morning. You know, the thing about it is, is that if you're not in the habit of it, you're not inclined to do it. Okay. So, so after the praise and worship, what, what am I doing? I'm going to coach or I'm going to call or exhort you to join in with me to lift your voice to the Lord. Because in that, there's deliverance. You know, the, 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 the adversary of our soul makes every effort to suppress and, and push your heart, your spirit, the real you down. Are you listening to me? So there's, there's discouragement. Well, I just don't feel like I used to, you know, and I'm just, you know, I, don't, I lost my joy and whatever. I'm telling you that what I'm just telling you right now is the answer to your need. You need to pray, let everything that has breath, what? Praise the Lord. Lift your voice. The devil comes and he's attacking you about this, talking you about your marriage, attacking you about your business, attacking you about this. Praise God. Come on. Listen to me. I'm telling you that this is the answer that you're looking for so that you can stave off and thwart his attempt 
to get you to respond in his way to bring destruction in your life. And then you get sour, then you get bitter, and you wish, you know, this person or that, how come they don't do this or that? See, when, when, when you feel like, you know, uh, you feel like people aren't, you know, loving you or they're not, uh, um, you know, doing whatever it is they're supposed to, the, the best thing you can do is say, devil, if you want to tell me that, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, I'm going to go find somebody to love. You know what I mean? I'm going to go out of my way and I'm going to find someone where I can express the love of God into their life and bless them. Are you with me? So you don't play into his hand. And I'll tell you this much, praise God, if you'll do that, your attitude, heart, and situation will change too. Hallelujah. Come on now. You know, so I want you to praise God as we go from this place this week. You know, if you haven't been praising God, you need to, you need to have some praise breaks. Another story about a woman years ago, Lillian B. Yeoman, she was a doctor. She, got, she actually got hooked on prescription drugs and nearly died. Well, when she got delivered, she opened up these halfway houses where she would bring women in and she would get them back to nurse them back to health and give them the word of God and things like that. Well, there's a woman that came into the, into the halfway house and she, uh, she was ill. She had an illness or sickness or something of that nature. And, uh, but she was a praying person. You know, and, and we do that, don't we? Don't we pray? And a lot of times people will say, well, you know, I'm praying, but God's not answering my prayer. Well, so she's praying, and all of a sudden, she has a vision of a scale, one of those old-type scales, you know, where there's the, you know, a balancing scale. And, and in, on one side was praise, and on the other side was prayer. And the prayer side was heavily weighted, clear down. It was down on the ground. And, and in this vision, she just knew that when her praise equaled her prayers, she'd get healed. So the uh, story, not the Bible, the story goes that she spent two days, she didn't pray to God at all. All she did for two days is just praise God. You say, two days? My God, is she crazy? Hey, it's what she's seen. It's what God said. So she spent two days praising God. Father, I thank you for your word. How grateful I am for your loving kindness and your tender mercy. How wonderful you are in my life, Father. All that you have done redeemed me from a life of destruction and delivered me from all of my sin. Thank God, Father, you are everything the word says you are in my life. I'm so glad to have the inheritance that belongs to me as a child of the living God. Thank you for the authority that you gave me so that I can walk in the light as you're in the light and have fellowship with believers. And I mean, she just did it for two days. And at the end of two days, she woke up healed. Are you listening to me? So, you know, again, you can say, well, that's just foolishness. But <laughs> there are a lot of things in the kingdom of heaven that are foolish to the world. But thank God we can do them. Now, your love and the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. So everybody say, I can do it. And, you know, to some degree we are. But let's get better. Amen? Let's get after it, glory to God, because he wants us to win. I want you to win. There's nothing, you know, that, that is more disappointing to my wife and I when we see people that have, you know, some form of failing within their lives. We didn't get into this so that people would lose. We got into this so that people could win. Are you with me? So we celebrate the winners 
And we pray for those that are having the struggles that they're having so that we can bring them back into a place where, praise God, God can redeem whatever's going on. Can you say amen? I've preached too long, so stand up. Hallelujah. Got to quit. You guys are good listeners. I didn't even really get over here. I kind of looked at Tom a couple times, but I didn't get over here to Josh and the rest of you, so maybe next time. Hallelujah. Of course, I, could, I guess I could say that over here, too. Hallelujah. Woo! Praise God. Isn't he good? How many glad you came today? How many of you learned something, maybe, or got something out of what it is that you heard? You know, to be forewarned is to be forearmed. The stuff you've heard today, I mean, I hope it it serves as a preparation as we go out into the world in which we live this week. And we say, God, I want you to help me to employ this. I want you to help me to be a follower of you, an imitator of you, and walk in love, praise God, in my family, in my marriage, in my work, in whatever it is that I'm doing in this life. It's too important, you guys not to do this. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Father, as a congregation, and again, those that may be watching, Father, online, each and every one of us, we come before you today. And God, I, I, I mean, there's no words to express, Father, what it is that you've done for us in having given your Son as a ransom for us. And the life that we now have, the Spirit of God that indwells us, that enables and empowers us, Father, to live a life of love, and to walk in love. And so, God, I pray for all of those within the sound of my voice, those watching online, that, Father, you'll help us to be doers of the Word and not just hearers only. And and not only that, Father God, but we'll also, hallelujah, make the decisions that are necessary in order to clear the slate and make it all clean. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Now, while your heads are bowed, please, and your eyes are closed, no one's looking around. Some of the things I talked to you about this morning maybe have triggered some stuff within your own hearts about things perhaps that you need to do. And um, I don't know what that looks like, but you do. And what's important is, is that not only do we recognize it, but we make the decision that that's exactly what we're going to do. So while your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, no one's looking around. If you happen to be here this morning, and to some, in some way, uh, there's an application to this, and you'd say by your uplifted hand, Lord, Lord, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make this right. I'm going I'm to do this different. I'm going to change my speech. Father, I want you to forgive me. I want to do this right. Can I see your hand anywhere as I look? All right, awesome. Thank you. Tons of people. How about you? Anybody else? Yeah. Thank you, guys. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can put your hand down once you've raised it. Amen. Who else? Let's let love be the thing that dominates our lives. Things in your life are so important. Those of you that are married, your kids, I mean, it's, it's huge. And it just simply isn't worth hanging on to or harboring. Let's just lay it down before him. Pray this prayer with me, church. Dear Heavenly Father, I come today and I ask you to forgive me for what I've done and the things I didn't know. I ask you, Lord, to help me to love as you love. 
in every area of my life, every person in my life. And I thank you, Lord, for your divine grace that keeps me in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. God bless you. And then I'll uh, invite you just to close your eyes and bow your heads one more time. I want to make sure uh, if there's anyone here today, you've never made a conscious decision to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, that we at least would afford you that opportunity. You know, there's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. Jesus, he's coming again. He's coming for the church. He's coming for those that know him. And so if you've never made a conscious decision, those of you online, perhaps you've never asked Christ to come into your heart. While your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if there's anyone here today, you say, hey, Pastor, I have an interest in your prayer. I've never, I've never, <clears throat> I've never asked him to come into my heart, be the Lord of my life. Can I see your hand, anybody? Hallelujah. All right. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? You never asked Christ to come into your heart. Thank you, Lord. You know, I was 19 when I made my decision, and I didn't know. I went to a mainline denominational church. Second one, thank you. I went to a mainline denominational church, and, you know, I listened to everything that they said, but nobody told me about making a decision for Christ to where I would give him all of my heart, all of my mind, all my soul, surrender to him, and ask him to make me what he intended. But I was so grateful you know, that night when I made my decision, my life changed. Those of you that have raised your hands, your life's going to change. And we're going to pray a prayer together as a church. And God is going to respond to your heart and to your prayer. And your life will never be the same. Church, together, would you pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I ask you today to forgive me and come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Help me, Lord, to live as you would have me to. And I thank you, Lord, for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Any good? I want to mention those of you that raised your hand. At the conclusion of our service, I know that you've got an option. Uh, we'll be dismissing. You can either go out those back doors or you could come down front here. Uh, to me and allow me the privilege of congratulating you on this decision. But not only that, we have some materials that we'd actually like to place into your hands. We have some folks here in the church that um, are uh, uh, capable of being able to do that, talk with you, maybe even pray with you if you'd like. So I'll give you one more opportunity not to forget, but please come and let us uh, allow us the privilege of being able to put those things in your hands uh, so you can get started on your walk. And we'd love to uh, you know, be introduced to you. Amen. You want to receive an offering this morning? The ushers are in the aisle and they have an envelope if you need one.